you want me to do the intro while you munch? All right. Um, sure, you could. I guess that's the way to do it. I can take a couple of bites at least and pour my coffee. You go right ahead there. <laughs> it only takes like a second to do the intro. <laughs> do a long intro. What do you want me to talk about? Well, it's four episodes, so you can do <laughs> Well, we're going to do, we have to do two at a time still. We can't publish four in an episode. That's true. That's true. Just go ahead. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to Saul Rewind, part of that Rewind show. Today we are, uh, well actually should we just say that Rewind show? I, people, but it doesn't matter, we'll start again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are these, this is the guy, the guy for this and... <laughs> <laughs> Where is those champions? Dedicated. You need to mute yourself if you're going to be munching. Hello and welcome to Saul Rewind. This is. Oh, okay, we'll start that again. Hello and welcome to Saul Rewind, that show where we rewind Better Call Saul and tell you what happened. This is uh, season three, Namaste. No, it isn't. That's fucking bollocks. Hello and welcome to Saul Rewind, that show where we rewatch Better Call Saul and tell you what happened. I'm Jamie, he's Simon, and this is season five, episode three, Namaste, and season five, episode four, the guy for this. In fact, that's the wrong way around. It's season five, episode three, the guy for this, and season five, episode four, Namaste. See, that's what happens when we try to be professional. It just doesn't work. We, we're no good at it. I know. Fuck it, man. Who cares? No one's listening. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Apart from you, mum. <laughs> Even she's turned off by now. Yeah. Chinned out. Yeah. What did you think of these episodes? Right. Um, I mean, I've enjoyed them. Uh, yeah. Um, there's still some nice little rewarding things in the episodes uh i i i mean the way i watched these ones these four i did two watches on the first two or three but on my first watch i wasn't really paying full attention yeah because i tried to multitask and that's never a good idea never never works with podcasting (laughs) yeah or a lot of other things for that matter um (laughs) (laughs) um and um yeah i so I didn't pick up as much on the little um, the little uh, recurring motifs that they usually give us. I have one or two, but um, yeah, uh, I, I may have missed. Well. It may be one of those things where I've just missed a lot. Um, but yeah, still fun. These have been fun. Yeah, they were. These two episodes were pretty good. I thought this is kind of the show getting back into its groove a little bit. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. the first two episodes, I think. Um, it was a bit of a struggle, you know. Yep, for but sure. This, is, this was definitely this is definitely good, a good couple of episodes, I reckon. Should we get straight in? Yeah, let's do it for sure. So, in uh, season five, episode three, the guy for this, and um, we had a present day opening. So the show started with a really um, with the, Jimmy's ice cream on the footpath being discovered by an under two, um, yeah, and then. Uh, yeah more so that's how, yeah that's how the last the last episode ended with the ice cream on the pavement right 
Oh, I didn't. Yeah, what's that? I I'd forgotten that bit. Yeah, he drops the ice cream and gets into the car with um, Nacho. Yeah. And uh, off they go, and the ice cream is there on the pavement. I think. Is that not yeah. how it ended? Am I making that up? No, I think you're right that it ended with them getting into the car, didn't it? Like, so he was getting into the car and he was driven off then. Yeah. Is where we left it. So we open up with that. It was a really long, indulgent scene for a couple of ants eating ice cream. I wasn't quite sure what the relevance was and why it was so drawn out. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, um, I, I didn't know either. That was the feeling I had a little bit um, watching it. I didn't mind uh, with the music going on there, and it did have a very creepy uh, sort of a gross feeling about it. And I think that was kind of the idea. And I, uh, I've, I've noticed this thing in the in, over the course of the two to four episodes that we're going to be covering today, but it'll be two episodes for the listener. But uh, um, there's this theme of going in and out or coming out from a dark from the darkness into the light or emerging from something or entering into someone's property going from the outside to the yeah. inside and I think that the ants here are just like it's emerging from the darkness their little dark hole into the light and out they come and crawl all over the ice something like that I don't know and then there's just Jimmy um, joining the world of the ants and the, the yeah. creepy world the creepy dark world of them the criminal underworld yeah yeah, I thought I thought it could be a preamble to almost well, maybe not a preamble, but something to do with success and money and how whenever you get a bit of money, all the ants come out from nowhere to kind of to, to get their peace. You know, you're the <laughs> the the man of the moment kind of thing, and you end up with ants crawling all. I see you. what you mean. Yeah, the the ice cream could be a symbol for the drugs, basically, and the yeah, as a sort be. of a, a cash. Uh, thing I don't know yeah yeah maybe and um, but anyway it was a very it was for what it was it was a very long intro with some <laughs> funky music and then we had the scales of justice were the opening it was the opening um theme and then we're straight in with Nacho Jimmy and Lalo um so we join them as the car arrives at Lalo's garage where um Jimmy's very nervous and Lalo's working on his car yeah. Um, yeah, Jim looks real nervous there. He looks scared or worried. He checks out the gun and uh, they pull into a, gar- a garage um, going from the light into the dark. But uh, I don't know yeah. if it's worth pointing that out every single time it happens, but maybe. And then um, uh, Lalo's working on a car and he says, yeah. uh, and then we get this uh, the scene where Jimmy gets out and there's another long silence here. And That's Lalo's right. demonstrating that he has a capacity for long silences almost equal to that of Gus. <laughs> yeah. And uh, eventually, Jimmy, like you were talking, we were talking about this in a previous episode when we talked about Gus's long silences and you were talking about the weird shit people say to fill an awkward silence. <laughs> yeah, that's and, right. Uh, and eventually Jimmy's like, can I talk? I'm just going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can't talk it. Yeah. Um, and he starts to talk. He thinks that this is to do with his previous business with Tuku. Not Tuku, sorry, with um, Nacho, where he got Nacho out of jail, but there was still like, I can't remember what it was. Did Nacho get probation or did he get just let out? Maybe it's that it took a bit longer than people expected. But yeah, so he's yeah. talking about how he got Nacho out of jail before and um, how he thinks that it was a good ending. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think that's what he was worried about. Um, and then 
Lalu starts to talk about Tuco and about the business that he had with Tuco and the skaters back in season one, which was a nice, was it season two actually? Was that the start of season two or was that season one? I think it was season one. Um, Did it cross over into season two? I cannot remember. I think maybe it started in season one, but then we had the continuation in season two um, from memory, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, so he was talking about um, Tuko and, and Jimmy's comment was that Tuko had a huge heart for justice. <laughs> yeah. He wanted justice for his, his um, aunt or his granny or whoever she was. And um, uh, Lalu said that, yeah, that Jimmy was the man with the mouth and he managed to talk Tuko down that typically Tuko would have skinned them alive yeah. for doing what they did. But Jimmy talked them down. Yeah. Yeah, and then Lalo makes his proposition. Um, uh, what it is he wants Jimmy to do? He's going to have Jimmy talk to Crazy Eight and give him some yeah. coaching about what to tell the cops. And the idea is that they're going to stitch up uh, Gus and some of Gus's men, um, or something like that. They're, they're going to, so the cops are going to um, take get the cash from the cash, the dead drops. Yeah, and, that's uh, it. And that's what Crazy Eight's going to give them information in return for um, his liberty. Yeah, for sure. Jimmy doesn't want any part of it. He's really reluctant to get involved. He offers them a drop phone and says they should slip it inside the prison wallet, as yeah. he calls it. <laughs> that's um, a nice little visual. And then, uh, yeah, that's not going to fly. So um, he reluctantly takes a job, gives them an extortionate fee of about eight, seven and a half, was it $7,900 or something? Um, yep. Which Lalo rounds up to eight for his trouble. And Jimmy lands himself a new client. Yeah, it's a number that comes up a few times here. Uh, maybe just um, echoing crazy it and that whole this whole scenario. Um, oh, yeah, okay. but yeah, the prison wall, it's hilarious. Like, but that's another image of something going in into the darkness from the light and re-emerging from the darkness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there were a couple of really weird details that I thought in this scene, like there was whenever they arrived into the garage, the roller the roller door goes down, and there's a really long pause with the brake lights on, like it just illuminated yeah. the doors in red. Yeah. And then I also noted that on the top right hand side of the wall, like that wall beside the car, um, it looked like there was there was they were suggesting that there were windows up there, but they were clearly just two big screens with like something <laughs> projected onto them or something weird, like moving clouds or something. Like it looked really strange. Yeah, that's um, odd. That's very odd. Um, there was another there was another scene um that's coming up with Kim when she one and one of the scenes where she pulls up outside Acker's place. Um it's, yeah. she pulls up in the dark and there's quite a there's a second or two there where there's only the only light is the brake light shining against the fence. So it was the yes. same kind of image. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um there's also like a, a future echo, like in in this scene, um, whenever Tuko was talking about Jimmy talking like Sorry, whenever Lalo is talking about Jimmy talking to Goodown, part of the conversation, he goes, blah, 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 like yeah. mimicking Jimmy, which is something yes. that Kim does later on in, in these two episodes too, either in these two or in the next two. Right. Um, so there's a few repetitive themes that we're seeing between these characters. Uh -huh. um, yeah, which I found quite interesting. Yes, indeed it is. So um, <laughs> we cut from the garage to Mike at the bar. So this is like Mike is getting a bit drunk in the bar and he wants the bartender to take down the picture of Sydney. Mm -hmm. um, he's had a bit too much to drink. The bartender wants to cut him off. Mike insists, gives him his keys, insists that he, he takes that picture down. So again, 
I guess there's this suggestion that Mike's very caught up in in what he did with um, poor old uh, Wagner. Was it Wagner? Is that his name? No, Werner. Werner? Wagner. Who the fuck is Wagner? Um, He's a a composer. All right. Okay. Well, there you go. I'm more cultured than I thought. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So Werner, the German that Mike killed um, for... Uh, trying to escape the construction project. Um, so Mike obviously has some hung up feelings. He wants that picture down. Um, and then he takes off out of the bar finally and encounters some um, people drinking in the garden, some hoodlums, which uh, he gets into a kerfuffle with. Mm-hmm. Um, and he breaks one of their arms. Yeah, the, the neighborhood bullies there come out and try to um, try to get one over on Mike, but instead... Uh, he takes one of the guys down and I noticed he steps on him uh, as he's walking away. There's that, yeah. that We had the theme of stepping on or being stepped on um, in previous episodes. And yeah, it, that's it, right. It continues to sort of echo a little bit over these these episodes as well. It comes up a few times. Yeah, that's really interesting. In episode one and two, they were the drugs had been stepped on, you know, yeah. so that that's that's interesting. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to add about Mike's little kerfuffle? Yeah, there was another long silence at the beginning where he just sat there. I mean, I, yeah. we, we speculated and laughed about how much more we're going to see Mike just sitting, but it come, it happens again <laughs> throughout these episodes, and this is one of those instances. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, the ants at the start as well. I thought there were a couple of shots um, when the camera panned out of people walking by and essentially stepping on the ants, you know, more or less. Oh, yes, so, of course. Yeah, I feel like that was deliberate as well. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, so from that scene, we cut to Jimmy arriving back at home with Kim is on the balcony and she's celebrating. So she calls him. Does she call him or does he just see her on the balcony? I can't remember, but she's on the balcony and he joins her and she's yeah. celebrating um, the day after she's going to have a full day of pro bono work mm-hmm. with her public defenders. Um, and it just seemed like a really awkward scene between Jimmy and Kim. Like there's still this really intense awkwardness between them. There is definitely an awkwardness, but I also feel like, well, as there's a little bit of a more romance blossoming, you know, uh, up until the last little while, we haven't really seen them as a romantic couple. Yeah. You know what I mean? In the normal sense. I think sense, that's true. Um, we just kind of drifted into them cohabiting. Yeah. Um, although, did they not, like, did we not get in previous seasons when they were, like, running scams together and stuff? Yeah, yeah. But they They seemed a bit more of a couple. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, that's the thing. That's what gets them going. And the more the more intense and dangerous the scams become, the more into it Kim becomes and the more yeah. energized Jimmy becomes. With Jimmy the, gets. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is a little awkward. Yeah. Um, Jimmy comments that he had a few up and ups and downs during the day, but it was Saul's best day yet. So I thought it was quite interesting that he's referring to them almost as two different people. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. you know, I wonder when when Jimmy disappears and he just becomes Saul. I know. You know, at the minute we still have these two separate personas almost mm-hmm. um, of Jimmy and Saul. I thought that was quite interesting. Um, true. But he doesn't really get into much detail with with Kim. Like they don't talk about what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so on from that scene, we skip to Nacho's place. So we join Nacho with one of his girlfriends tweaking out. She's like obsessively compulsively cleaning things yeah. and dismantling the Rubik's cube so that she can clean clean the cubes yeah. and then tries to take the remote control apart and he gives her a jigsaw puzzle. That's what um, meth that's what meth heads do. 
Oh, really? Yeah, it's really? an effective meth. Yeah, they um they they do weird things like take their bikes apart, and I uh, uh it's it's bizarre. If you ever see someone just sitting in the street and they're just literally taking something apart, that person's on meth. It's, <laughs> really yeah totally Meth isn't really a big problem here yet it isn't a big problem in northern ireland at i suppose all. not no um but yeah um, i thought it was funny that nacho had a box had a little basket of toys for them to play yeah. with yeah for sure for sure like he gives her a jigsaw puzzle like out of nowhere he has this jigsaw puzzle he's, that she yeah picks. he's prepared yeah um so yeah very good nacho's dad then arrives so his dad arrives and um Nacho goes out to meet him at the gate and his girlfriend starts to tidy up a wee bit. Um, I thought it was quite interesting. Like Nacho's dad has clearly not been to his house before, which is quite strange, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um, so he comments on how new it is and how big it is. And um, he's never met the girlfriend before he introduces himself. Um and yeah, he again where our attention's drawn to Nacho's art on the walls, you know, like one of the pictures is almost looks like his backlit, the room picture, like with the car, and which I thought was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um it's backlit on the wall, almost with like a kind of a bluish white light. Right. And then um they get into a conversation about how somebody's offered to buy him out of the shop. Yep. Um but it's offered him more money than it's worth. And he thinks that Nacho has put him up to it and they get into a bit of an argument about whether that's the case or not. Right. Um, yeah, a couple of recurring visual motifs. One is coming from the, you know, we initially see Nacho inside the house with his girls and it's really dark in there. You know, you get the impression yeah. that it's night. But yeah, when yeah, we move outside, right. it turns out it's the middle of the day. It's the daytime. Like it was really strange. Yeah, it's like coming out of a movie theater. You know, usually you're used to coming out of a theater at night. Yeah. Um, but and so if you go to see a matinee, it's fucking weird when you come out and it's really still daylight outside. You almost um, get a sense of fractured time around Nacho's house because there's a lot of glass. Like we we continually see shots of his place through the glass. So why is it so dark inside whenever that scene was shot? You know? Yeah, that's um, right. Like I commented on it before that like Nacho gets woken up in the past two episodes, almost like it's the middle of the night. And then we get to get taken to a cafe where his dad and all his buddies are still playing cards. So it can't, it can't have been that late. You know what I mean? It can't yeah. have been the middle of the night. Um, so yeah. there's always this sense of fractured time in Nacho's place. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, yeah. Um, also there was, again, we just, just because we're inside Nacho's place, there's all this black artwork black and and red artwork black artwork and i thought maybe this is just a play on black arts the dark oh, arts so to speak um you know um like a, he's got some good taste like i'd love some of those pictures that he's got the three-dimensional ones are, are really yeah. nice yeah they're pretty cool they're really beautiful um there was an interesting shot there um uh where uh when nacho's dad is leaving and we get a split one of these split shots that they do for us except it's a it's a it's a whole scene it's not two different um shots it's one shot and nacho's inside the house on the right and his dad is leaving the property on the left yeah. and um nacho we're seeing nacho behind glass and there's quite a few shots of a character being observed from behind glass over these few yeah. episodes and um okay. in my experience my humble limited experience of this imagery I've had a few dreams and um, we've all had a few people that have died in our lives. Right. But um, there's one um, there's a, I've had dreams where I dream about a person who's dead, 
but they're on the other side of glass. Wow, okay, yeah, interesting. The symbolism there means that um, you can't access them. You can see them, but you can't access them. So it's a strong symbol of a memory of yeah, someone okay. who, you, who you can no longer actually meet in real life, right? Yeah. Um, it's an interesting idea, actually, an interesting piece of imagery. If you watch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, have you seen that? Yeah, I have, but a very long time ago. I think this may have come up in a previous episode or one of our movie shows. Um, but uh, there's a scene in there where um, him, uh, Jim and uh, Kate, it's Kate Winslet, right? Yeah. Y yeah. Yeah, they're lying on a, they're lying on a frozen lake or river on yeah. ice. And that was a, a heavy symbol of the fact that they, they, the, the, the story in which they, they um, delete memories of each other so they can no longer remember um, who the other person is or the relationship, yeah. right? And that's what that, that's what that means, right? Um, lying on the ice like that, the ice is a barrier and the memories are underneath, inaccessible. Yeah. And um, we also had, we talked about that um, in the other episodes, how there was um, this idea of, uh, what was it again? It was, it was to do with memories and um, it wasn't the missing body. That wasn't it. It was something else. The exact, this exact, but this exact same idea has come up. Previously. Yeah, it has. Yeah. Anyway, that I'm throwing that out there, the, the dead person behind the glass. But I know that the intent here may not be to have some foreshadowing of Nacho's death or anyone else's death yeah. seen from behind glass. Um, but I am. It is curious that it comes up repeatedly and I'm not sure what the what the writers intend by it. Well, I don't think like the Nacho character isn't a Breaking Bad character, as far as I can remember. I know it'll be such a tragedy if Nacho dies. You know, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say that Nacho and his dad here, whenever and and when Nacho gives the girl the the jigsaw, it's like yeah. little touches like that from Nacho's character that show that he's basically like sort of a whole person. He may yeah. be he may be a bad guy involved in this world, but how he got into it might have been by accident or yeah, something for sure. and, or out of desperation or something. And, uh, but he's still, he's a, he's still someone who's got both good and bad natural instincts. Yeah. Um, yeah, whereas a lot of our other characters just are not that. They're just our souls. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that's really interesting. That observation, it could be that they're foretelling of Nacho's death. I don't know when it happens or if it happens, but he definitely leaves the show, mm. you know, um, yeah, so at the end of that scene, um, Nacho and his dad get into a kerfuffle about how Nacho wants to run, but his dad doesn't want to run. He thinks he should go to the police, and then his dad takes off pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, and we go there from there to Kim in court. So we join Kim in with one of her public defenders, and uh, the judge is just reading over a motion, I think it is, and she's interrupted by, well, not the judge isn't interrupted, but um, one of one of um, Kim's assistants or one of her juniors comes in and Rich is on the phone for her. Mm -hmm. um, Kim doesn't want to take the call. The court is considering whether or not to dismiss the case, um, but that's denied and it's going to go to trial. And uh, outside then, um, Kim takes a call from Rich and he wants her to go down to drop what she's doing and go yep. down to Mesa Verde that um, Kevin wants her down there to sort out this eviction problem that they've been having. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he says um, that the the um, the pro bono works all well and good, but uh, Mesa Verde keeps the lights on. 
Yeah. So another dark and light comment there. Oh, that's interesting. But also, um, um, um yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Never mind. I lost my thought. Go ahead. No, that's okay. Um, I wasn't going to say anything else really about that scene. Kim's really reluctant to go. She doesn't want to go down. Um, but she's pretty much told that she has to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's it. She has to stop what she's doing and head on down. Yeah, and then over we go to Jim and Crazy Eight um, in the jail cells. Uh, yeah, and um, Jim asks him, "How are you at memorization?" And uh, the idea being that he's going to be giving a uh, Crazy Eight somewhat of a script. Yeah, um, that's right. And uh, yeah, I don't have any other notes for that scene. Actually, it seems. Oh, then was- Hank and Steve come in. That's it. I divided it up. Yeah, so um, it was a really quick scene. So they do the the memory, but the he gives him the script oh. and said that he's got good news for him. And then um, we see Jimmy outside having a smoke, right outside the the court, outside the police station. Yeah, smoking comes back with a vengeance in these few episodes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, then Hank comes in. I sort of breezed by that, but it's a major um, it's a major event in the series as a whole yeah. to have such a big Breaking Bad character coming into the story. Definitely, and Hank and Steve, the two DEA agents. Yeah, Hank's immediately, um, immediately uh, winning. You know, he's got a great personality. He's so confident. Yeah. Um, he's so also kind of down to earth, but also, <laughs> yeah, you know, a bit of a hard ass, and um, you really get a strong impression of his character right away. Just a, a really Definitely. good, really good character actor. Um, Definitely, this guy whose name so- I didn't write down. <laughs> No, I know we're fucking shit, aren't we? Like it's really bad. I didn't write down the actor's See, name either. This is why we need the videos on YouTube because every time yeah. we do this, we need to be able to put the name in the, in the text. <laughs> the character. Yeah, we... we'll just do like a robotic voiceover where a robot goes, "The actor's name is." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Um. So Jimmy's outside waiting for them to arrive. So this is part of a setup, obviously. And um, we learn a bit later on. So Jimmy wants them to go in and talk to his client first before he gets there. So he's being outside. He sees them come um, and then heads in after them. Although yeah. before before we see that engagement, we see a little conversation between um, Hank and Steve as they put their guns away. So they cut the queue at the, at the police station. They go straight in and they get buzzed in and they're dropping their guns off. Well, I don't know if it's a police station or if it's like a county jail or where it is. It's like, um, I think it's like courthouses have... Uh... They have a holding. They have holding cells for yeah. for, um, for people who are uh, inside, but they're coming in for court appearances. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. I realized that's why there's so many for cells sure. in the courts. Yeah, so they have a little conversation about expired food, and Steve admits that he once ate a full can of vanilla frosting that had expired, which disgusts <laughs> Hank. <laughs> which is it's funny because gross. <laughs> I know it's funny because we're I think Hank comes in here, he's complaining about some weird behavior of his wife's about uh yeah him she to throw out. everything out. <laughs> which is funny because I remember watching Breaking Bad and um you know noticing she's a bit wackadoodle that woman. Yeah and it's weird how uh they brought it immediately back in uh that whole that whole thing. Um also um I don't know um, if I can read much into it, but he tells a little story there. Yeah, about the, the food. Um, discarded food comes up a few times, but um, but here it's like out of the fridge and into the trash can, and it's more about moving from the darkness into the light and, yeah, you know, in and out of uh, objects, like, you know, um, 
fridges and whatever and yeah it's a, sure. it's odd it's an odd motif i didn't i don't know I, I i wrote it down and there were a couple of other ones but i just didn't really fathom the point too much this idea of going in and out of the darkness and the light is it about going in and out of jail is it about yeah um the drop the dead drops what is it about i don't know jamie Who knows, sometimes i'm it's... just baffled They've always um, they've always toyed with the idea, like the whole season. The premise of the whole show is the battle between good and evil, and True. you're you're the angel and the devil on your shoulder, talking you into doing the good thing or the not good thing. You know what I mean? So it could just be another way to communicate that theme. Could be. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. So the DEA go in, they meet with Crazy Eight. He starts to, he tells them how he wants to make a deal. They're a bit skeptical because he's been arrested for two days and now all of a sudden he he's had an epiphany. Um, a few minutes into the them taking a statement or questioning him, Jimmy bursts in shouting about how they shouldn't be talking to him without his lawyer present. Then he makes a big deal about his um, constitutional rights. Introduces himself as Saul Goodman, which is very entertaining for Hank. Hank um, has a good laugh at his name. And uh, yeah, and eventually Hank thinks that he sees through Jimmy's little little show and says he thinks his chain's being yanked and they get up to leave. And yeah. uh, then Jimmy tries to save the day. Yeah. Yeah, he makes some joke, um, Jimmy, about the DEA, the FBI, and the feds and getting the feds mixed up. With the <laughs> DEA, yeah. DEA, FBI, Department of Sanitation. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's um, right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and then so it's then... Uh, then the deal they reach is that uh, he'll he'll get out, but it's going to be contingent upon arrests, and they say yeah. contingent a few times. Um, yeah, it is. It's an interesting word. So, and that was it, pretty much. Yeah, Jimmy comes across as being quite a shrewd character here. Like, he already sees the value in um, striking this deal with the DEA. Whenever he realizes that they're the DEA, he knows that there's a much bigger opportunity for for um, for Lelo and for Nacho. So he yeah. sets it up so that um, this guy can't be anyone's informant. It has to be Hank's personal informant that he, they can't, he can't be farmed out to the rest of the police department. Right. Um, giving giving Lelo and Nacho that line that they need to the DEA. Now they can feed information to the DEA. So um, it kind of shows how shrewd Jimmy is, like from a criminal perspective almost immediately, yeah. like that he's picked up on this and yeah. he's going to take advantage of it. So yeah, anyway, so he tells them all about the dead drops, which is um, Gus's operation. So he gives them all this information about how, about, um, how the drug dealers drop money off and then somebody else picks the money up and that they can expect a haul of about 500,000. And yeah, everybody's happy. They go off and um, we cut from that scene to Kim at uh, Tukumari. Is that how you say it? Tukumkari. Tukumkari. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so she's there with Mr. Right. Acker. So Mr. he's like a, a really disgruntled resident. I really did want to look up this guy's name because he's another actor that's in loads of stuff. Oh, stop it here. This is Mr. Acker, a.k.a. Maurice Minifield from Northern Exposure. That's where he's from. I knew, <laughs> I knew that. I knew I'd just seen him in something. My my fucking Northern Exposure box that arrived, and I've been watching season one. Oh, there you go. You're right. That's him. <laughs> um, his that's a really great sync. 
Yeah, I put a yeah, couple can... of things around this episode. That's around good. these episodes. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's see, that's classic northern exposure. It will sink your life. Yeah. It will turn your life into a sink festival. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the act the actor's name is Barry Corbin. And really yeah, good. he's he's been in tons of things. And here, I mean, he's just such a top-notch, high-quality actor. And yeah, you know, I think really that that's one of the noticeable things I feel actually about um season five so far is that um the the we've had some um really top-notch um acting performances and some yeah some well-established tv actors uh coming yeah. in and out of the show and it's really re- i feel like the quality has been raised slightly it's almost like the show is a, a touch less hokey i don't know if it's more entertaining but it's yeah it's got more of a sheen more of a oh, it definitely does i reckon yeah. that they just don't have chuck salary to pay and so they've got a bit of extra money to throw around <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's <laughs> it i, mean? yeah, that I can't remember it. that actor's name but i'm sure he carries a hefty paycheck yeah, yeah um he's another really classic actor but anyway so um we meet uh mr acker who is um the very last resident to move out of the land or to vacate his property so that they can demolish his house and build the call center. Um, so this is Kevin and Mesa Verde's call center. Kevin sees this as a really big deal um, that his bank needs a call center. So he's owned his property since 1974 and um, and there was a, a, a term written into the contract. So he's obviously, he, he owns a house but not the land and it's fair market value plus five grand and he's not happy with that. So. Um, he's refusing to move out. Right. Um, Kim's been called in as the big guns to sort it out. Um, and she gives him a right old telling off, mm-hmm. um, telling him to wind his neck. And yeah, um, he says he's been there since 1974, which is the year I was born, which I always love it when uh, 1974 comes up. Yeah. And um, yeah, <clears throat> he calls um, them soulless money grubbers. Yeah, yeah. And he makes a comment that um, they're the kind of people, she's the kind of person who goes to the soup kitchen to clean her conscience from all the bad shit that she does. Yes, and it really pushes a button. Yeah, he also calls her the ponytails. And this is where I um, noticed um, um, the ponies and horses and constant references to cowboys and the no- the uh sayings what's the word not sayings uh like turns of speech figures yeah. of speech from the cowboy sort of oeuvre that that uh, that culture i'm um, coming up a lot and um uh yeah it's interesting because this comment about uh cl- cleansing your conscience is spoken the same kind of comment is spoken by someone else directed to someone else later in these shows yeah that's right <laughs> there's a couple of really direct comparisons between certain characters now mm-hmm. and which I find quite, quite interesting. But um, yeah, so she tells him to put his big pants on and face reality and that he's going to lose the offer that they have. And she pretty much tells him, you know, get out or you're, we're going to withdraw the offer and call in the sheriff. And everybody's like applauding her and saying, oh, you, that's exactly what we needed. And it's not even that impressive what she did. Like, I didn't really understand this whole big deal that they made out of it. All she did was give an old man a telling off. You know what I mean? Anybody could have done it. Yeah, I know. It was weird. Why did they need Kim to call to be called in to do that? Like Paige made a big deal of it at the time, and then Kevin made a big deal of it later on. It's just, it's like anybody could have said what she said. It wasn't anything special. Yeah, I wasn't totally sure about that. Um, 
except that maybe they thought that they needed some form of verbal closure on the incidents to escalate him to the point where they had a firm no and then they could proceed with whatever action they felt legally entitled to proceed with but i mean it's anybody could have said it you know what i mean it's just i don't get it yeah Um, she made a comment as she walked away like Paige is giving her all this credit and she was as they were walking away and um, kim said i didn't fix anything i haven't fixed anything yeah i uh, like i've read in other places that, that that's linked back to um her relationship with jimmy too that she's been trying to fix that and she hasn't been able to fix it yet right um although i don't know i'm a bit skeptical <laughs> you know yeah um, but yeah, they think that that's it, that she's done it now and he's just going to back down, which of course he isn't, you know what I mean? Just because she tells him off, like he's just going to dig his heels in. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe this fixing business, because there are a few instances of things being taken apart and fixed. Lalo yeah. was working on his car and the girl was taking apart the TV remote. Oh, and, yes. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah, there could be something to that as well. Yeah, things being fixed. Yeah. Um, so that kind of scene ends and we head over to Jimmy at Nacho and Lalo's and they're at the racetrack so Lalo has tuned up his car and now he's got it out on the track yeah um, and they have this little after he pulls up they have this little conversation about how great his car is and he asks Jimmy what he drives like Jimmy pays his car compliment <laughs> and Jimmy's like in esteem and he's like a what <laughs> Suzuki esteem Um, and he just looks really perplexed and then um, tells him that everything went to plan that they've now got a contact in the DEA that that's who they struck a deal with and they can feed um, feed information to them anytime that they like he referred to as feeding time at the lion's cage um, and uh, warned him that he might hear that crazy eats a rat but he's not really it's just because he's He's Lalo's rat, you know what I mean? It's almost yeah. like that didn't need to be explained. Surely if 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 Crazy Eight is feeding the DEA information from Lalo, then Lalo would know about it. You know yeah. what I mean? That's right. <laughs> Doesn't it's... it didn't really make any sense? Yeah, it was all yeah. I also thought the same thing that that uh, didn't really add up in my mind that conversation. But um yeah. Um Jimmy tries to get out of future deals with them. He said, you know, his schedule's really tight, so he suggests that they find um, alternative representation for future endeavors, is how he put it. Yeah. Um, and Lalo just laughs and says, You'll make time. Um, <laughs> and then you get like a little touch from Nacho whenever he said, Once you're in, you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get it. Once you're in, you're in. And again, that that kind of relates back to what you were saying about Nacho. Yeah. You know that he's a really good, rounded character. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. Um, Totally, you're right. Yeah, Nacho, for sure. Um, He's got... um, You can see the strain in Nacho as all this is going on. Um, But, um, yeah, when you're in, you're in, is that other comment about being inside and outside. You're either in or you're out, and once you're in, you're in. And and then... um, that's sort of confirmed as we go back to the ants and the ice cream we're calling at the, uh, at the end of the show there that jimmy's one of the ants now he's uh although yeah. it's not clear if that's exactly what's intended or if it's just a reference again to the ants coming out of the darkness into the light or blah blah i don't really know and then i guess the ants come out and they take their little bit of ice cream and they take it back underground to the ants nest yeah you know it's like almost like the ice cream is a dead drop um, oh yeah yeah okay yeah i don't know that's a stretch but anyway i also noticed in this scene i've written down 
lots of places um, where this cowboy stuff comes up and there was a reference to racehorse, although that's not cowboy, it's a reference to horses, but there's a yeah. racehorse line, but I didn't write the whole line. I just wrote down racehorse. Um, someone also says gunning for, and this idea of gunning for something, even the specific phrase, like some, so-and-so is gunning for something comes up a few times. Yeah. And actually, I'm just going to say that I, whereas in previous instances where we get all these reflections and refractions in the, in the text or in the script and in the image in the images, um, I felt that it was a little forced over these few episodes, the effort to get the characters to say things that refer directly to cowboys, horses, ponies yeah. was um, a little it's bit. It's not forced. as natural. Exactly. I didn't um, really like, in my notes, I've written down that he got dropped off back at the ice cream that he's dropped off at the ant pile. And he mm -hmm. kind of looks at it for a second, but I didn't really understand why he was being dropped off there. Like, because he was picked up, True. Like, there's, you know, he was picked up. It seemed like it was the day before. So the day before he got picked up and then we see him later that night at Kim's and they're talking about how Jimmy had the, or Jimmy was the head ups and downs, but Saul had the best day ever. And then the next day he goes off to this or the next day or a, a different day, he goes off to see the guy in jail. So how did he get picked up and dropped off in the same place just by happenstance? You know what I mean? Because yeah. it wasn't the same day. It's weird. It is weird. It didn't really make any sense. Um, yeah. No, it did not. Uh, yeah, they, they've been chopping back and forth almost in time, I think once or twice. I'm yeah. not sure if it's, uh, or if I'm misreading it, but it does seem that way, yeah. But yeah, there's something There's something funny. Either they, they cut the scenes up differently than they intended maybe, or or something, but there's definitely something a bit strange with the, the way time is being managed. Um, yep. Anyway, so we cut from there and we head over to Kim, who is um, getting an update. So she's on her way home now from Ackerman's place and she gets an update on um, the PD clients while she's on the phone, her public defender clients. And then she has a change of heart about her approach and decides to head back to Ackerman's house. Um, right. And on the way, she picks up some flyers for some new houses that he could um he could he could potentially move into. And they have this really touching conversation about Kim's past. Um, about how her family never really owned property and a few times as a child she had to move out in the middle of the night sometimes being chased off by landlords and things like that um, but he doesn't really believe any of it he gets all cynical and says you know that she would say anything that to get her way yeah um, it's, it was really interesting because he Acker pulled a, a Gus slash uh, uh, Lalo here and he just stood there and listened while she rambled and then yeah. he very, in a very measured way, he said, you'll say anything to get what you want. Yeah, for so sure. He, he basically didn't believe Kim at all. And what I'm wondering is, do you believe Kim? <laughs> um, or did she, was she pulling a Jimmy here? Was this story made up? No, I think I do believe her. I think okay. I do believe her. I wasn't I sure. I, I sort of believe her too, but I wasn't totally sure. But I thought what was interesting was that as Kim is becoming more like Jimmy and getting more into this world, um, people are starting to distrust her. He basically just thinks she's lying. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, at the beginning there, she says, um, I entered your property. So again, it's like going in and out of things. Um, That's right. She does. She said, I'm sorry, I've entered your property or something like that. Yeah. Obviously, she doesn't want to get shot. You know what I mean? They're That's in Texas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. Um, I think that that line about you'll say anything to get what you want is also said by somebody else later on in Ooh, reference to a different that. character. Okay. Although I might not, I might have misremembered, but I think um, I think somebody says it to Jimmy at some point. Okay. Interesting. All right. I'll have to have a thing. I'll have to see if I can find it in my notes, but I, I can't remember exactly now. Um, but yeah, yeah, so he doesn't believe her at all. Yeah. Um, so if we're all done with that scene, then Nacho, we're back over to Nacho yeah. meeting with Gus. And yeah, that's he's, right. Nacho is ratting out. He's ratting out Lalo to Gus. Yeah. Um, telling him about the plan about Lalo's plan to um. Uh, have a crazy eight tell the cops about the dead drops the cops are going to yeah. get the money and um, Nacho's nervous because he realizes that if if Gus then uh, takes the money out of the dead drops there's or doesn't do the dead drops then um, he got then Lalo will know there's a rat and he'll pretty much yeah. know it's Nacho because who the fuck else would it be for and, sure um yeah so he's nervous but gus has his back and he says no we're gonna leave the money in there i'm not really sure what gus is thinking but gus is clearly under some stress here um, yeah definitely increasing the stress on gus with this uh this conflict with the other gang the salamancas yeah. yeah and there was a nice music here the score in these episodes was quite good the music here was yeah, quite was creepy good. it had a little bit of a twin peaksy kind of vibe um and it's you know it just has a nice sort of um drama dark moment spooky um creepy yeah. kind of feeling to it yeah so great um, yeah. i thought gus's reaction like gus is very intelligent so he probably knows that he can't say anything because he would blow nacho's cover and he needs nacho like he needs nacho to know what's going on this is just the first of lelo's moves mm -hmm. you know so i think he just kind of sees the bigger picture um so yeah from there, we head back to Kim and Jimmy's house. So um, this time, Jimmy's getting home and Kim is on the balcony. The other way around. Sorry, it's the <laughs> other way around. Kim gets home. Jimmy's on the balcony. Um, he's having a smoke. She heads up. Um, they don't talk again. We get this real sense of awkwardness between the two. Um, they're just standing having a smoke and Jimmy pretends to drop his beer and catches it again yeah. um, as some kind of joke or whatever. And then she takes her beer and just launches it off the balcony. Yeah. Down into yeah. the parking lot. And then terrible they do that with like all the other beers. What a waste. A, a terrible. I mean, this is a cardinal sin. Wasting I alcohol. Horrendous. Not to mention the dreadful behavior of just smashing glass all over the parking lot of the... Yeah. You know, that's not where good. they live. Like you go to somebody else's apartment block to do that kind of shit. Yeah, no, no <laughs> doubt. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was me. funny behavior from Kim. Like it was quite out of character. Yeah, definitely. Um, I noticed as they were standing there, I don't know if it was intentional, but um, we had the, the, from the shot of them from behind um, in between them across the other side of the parking lot, there was a green square. It was yeah. the stairwell of the opposite building. And yeah, the okay. wall had been painted green such that the lit stairwell created a green square oh, just yeah, directly okay. between the two of them. I interesting. I can watch. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yep. Yeah, I didn't think this this scene made any sense. Like, what a I just don't get it. Like, I, I know, don't get it. Throwing bot throwing things and smashing things is definitely coming up a few times um, yeah, over the episodes. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought this is just. Um, sort of but again it's even at that time it's quite unexplained you know what i mean like whenever it happens it's quite unexplained why it's happening you know it doesn't really make sense 
but anyway well i guess we'll get to it at the a bit later yeah yeah for sure yeah um so that's how we leave that episode okay i thought it was a really good uh, a really good little episode yep um anything that you want to add about it uh no i don't think so um I I mean, uh, initially in the first two episodes of the season, we were sort of thinking to ourselves, oh, God, um, this is all stretching our sense of disbelief. And yeah. is it going to be like this for the rest of the series? And I think here that it's seems a bit to... more grounded again. Yes. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. But yeah. On to season five, episode four. Namaste. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, this was another really good little episode, oh, I thought. Fuck. This is great, yeah. Um, I thought this was really good. So we open up with the present day opening again. Jimmy's in the junk shop. Yeah. Having a good old browse, um, checking how much things weigh, looking for something to throw, experimenting to see how they'll throw. Um, he looked at a TV, some award trophies. He picked up a few Buddhas, um, horseshoes, a typewriter, all testing to see how they'll throw. And the lady in the junk shop is just looking a bit confused um, yeah. as to what he's doing. And then he opts for a few bowling balls. So he picks up three bowling balls um, for 75 bucks. Yep. Um, um, I, 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 at first I was like, what scam is he running now? I, it didn't yeah. really cross my mind that he was just trying to find things to, to throw off the balcony with Kim. I yeah. thought, what is he up to here? Uh, what is this about? For sure, for sure. But you would think that throwing a TV or a typewriter off the balcony would be much more satisfying than a bowling ball. Totally. Actually, that's interesting. I never, it literally just flashed before my mind. There was an episode of Northern Exposure where um, Chris, the radio show host, um, he flings uh, a piano from a catapult. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. he, um, yeah, and he was really dejected in that episode because his initial thought was to throw a cow from the catapult. But then Ed told him, oh then Ed told him that Monty Python already did it in, um, <laughs> the mean, was it in the meaning of like, no, the meaning of life? No, 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 no. It's in uh, the one with the Crusaders, or, or, the Arthur. Life of, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Not the life of Brian, that's no, in it, Egypt, isn't it? I can't uh, yeah, I just watched this movie a few weeks ago. I don't know why I blank on things like that. Do they fling a real life cow? No. <laughs> no. But the French, the French soldiers throw a cow from a catapult over the, the oh wall. And then, and then Chris gets really dejected because he can't repeat the same thing that some other artist has done. <laughs> he has to think of me. I just so he throws the, the piano. That's another really odd little sink. Like I went for a coffee with somebody this morning and that was a comment that they made with the, an association that they're working with that they can't repeat the same show that they did in a different location and it's one of their rules. Right. It's an odd little sink. There you go. Yeah, that's an odd sink. I had an odd sink yeah. here with this too. Like last night I was talking with the boys and they commented that um, one of them had uh, thrown the ball into the street and hit a car. <laughs> like okay uh, yeah literally oh just God, happened in the show so i just funny. watched yeah <laughs> spoiler alert that's really good that's really good um cool there's loads of little things about this episode yeah. anyway on we yeah. go so he picks up his bowling balls and then we have the cell phone as the opener the opening credits and we join jimmo 
Jimmu. Who the fuck is Jimmu? We join <laughs> Jimmy. Um, he is naked in bed. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Oh my god, that is an image I'll never be able to unsee. Yeah. Jimmy's torso. Yeah. Like, um, at least it was a side shot. Yeah. Yeah. So we see Jimmy naked in bed. The alarm goes off, and then they brush their teeth, and uh, they paid a lot of attention to them spitting this time, which was a bit like a bit uncomfortable. Um, so we see them brushing their yeah. teeth in all its glory, and then um. They head off to work and they find all the broken glass in the car park. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy says, "Don't worry about it. They'll come and clear it up." In his in his typical his Jimmy usual way, you yeah, know? typical Jimmy attitude. Else tidy up my mess. Yeah. Um, but Kim gets a like he takes off and Kim gets a brush. Um, I thought that there's this really funny like whenever she said just before she leaves. Um, she said that yesterday was a bad day, but today she was going to fix it. And right. Jimmy almost oh, yeah. brushes it off and he just says, sounds like a plan. And then he goes like he doesn't show any interest in the I fact know. that she had a bad day. Yeah. Which I thought was really odd. And then we see the complete opposite in the next two scenes or the next two, the next two um, episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I thought that I th- was worth the note. Yeah, totally. Um it seems like Jimmy gets more interested in Kim's life whenever they're running a scam together. That's whenever, but if they're not, um, they're sort of not really interesting. Yeah. They're not, they're not really interested in each other. It's like, that's the glue that's holding them together sort of at this point. Yeah, that's right. Um, Um, So yeah, she um, starts brushing up all the glass. He takes off and she tidies the car park and is calling her people in the office, telling them what she wants of some kind of PowerPoint or whatever. Yeah, um, she wants the paperwork on. I think she said, I wrote down, she said lot 375. So 1102 is Acker's lot. Um, and I think there's an alternative lot. And I wrote 375. I don't know if it's 375 or 325 or what it was, if I got that right. But I just realized looking at my notes that Jimmy got the three bowling balls, three for $75. So oh yeah, um, they just echoed the number. And, I wonder, uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's a good catch. Yeah. For sure. Um, and then, shall we move along then, Jim? Yeah, Gort. sure. We, yeah, we join Jimmy with his two tweakers. So we meet the two guys from um, episode two, I think it was of this season, episode one or episode two, who wanted to take advantage of Jimmy's 50% off deal. And they went on a crime spree, <laughs> a very minor crime spree where they busted up a load of gnomes and did all kinds of stuff. Um, so they've been refused bail. So Jimmy meets them. They've been denied bail, um, but he's confident that they can get get their felonies reduced down to misdemeanors. And um, so they're caught with some drugs. Um, so he wants to get it reduced from supplying drugs to to possession. Um, and then he he makes some deal with them where he'll get them rehab and then find a place that'll allow them to fake it. So. They'll agree with the judge if they can pull it off. They'll agree with the judge that they'll go to rehab. And then for a small extra fee, Jimmy will get them a rehab center that will fake their attendance so they don't actually right. have to go. Yep. Um, really coming up with all kinds of ways that he can earn some extra money off these guys. Yeah. Off his clients. Uh, at one point he says, you're gold, pony boy. Oh, does he? I didn't, I didn't note that. Yeah. Um, or maybe it was two separate comments. One was your gold and the other one was pony boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another reference to the ponies. For sure. And then um, 
he pulls the same ploy that the DEA pulled on him. So the two guys start to talk about how they can get a free public defender. And um, Jimmy, Jimmy is like, whatever, if you want to roll the dice with that, then go ahead. Like he gave mm-hmm. them a fee of four grand. Um, they said, what, what about the 50% off? And he said, well, it's normally four grand each. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they say they're going to go with the public defender. And he said that yesterday afternoon, just for the afternoon, he got paid great eight grand and that's how fucking hot he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they want to roll the dice, go ahead and he gets up and pretends to leave the room and then they have a change of heart. Yep. That's right. He, um, he, um, he, he throws down his, his card, his business card and said, Oh yeah. Then he, then he says, get your relative or something. And they say they've got a granny and they're going to um, oh, that's right. scrape up the 4,000. And he says, my wire info is on the back of the card. So um, <laughs> yeah. the, the wiring money, the wiring of money um, gets echoed a little bit um, from the travel wire store, which is going to oh, be yeah, yeah, which is coming okay. up later. Um, but interestingly, I watched a pretty cool show on netflix uh was it friday or last friday i watched it uh, i'm not sure anyway it's called bad vegan or something like that uh, oh yeah bad vegan yeah or vegan's gone bad or you know uh vegan's something about bad vegan it's about yeah. this woman who started who had a really successful restaurant you won't believe this show you should watch it I started to watch the first episode and then it seemed to be all about her divorce with her husband and I thought, no, I can't be arsed with this. <laughs> you mean the the bad guy? I forget. Yeah. In the first episode she in the in the first episode she, she initially gets together with the the guy who runs the restaurant with her. Yeah. Yeah, it's not actually about him. After after she's finished okay. with him, there's a new guy comes in. And okay. this guy is a is a nut job. He's a <laughs> yeah. He's a hundred percent. I don't know what the exact description of his um his disorder, but I'm sure it features narcissistic personality disorder at least, and probably yeah. other things. But um, he gets her to continuously wire him money, and so this wiring of money, wire me money. You have to wire me ten thousand dollars. Wire me, wire, wire, wire. Just as lots yeah. of times it comes up in the show. It's the whole the whole thing of the show. Um. It's just a descent, and I mean, this poor woman, uh, what she went through was just absolutely terrible. Terrible. Really? Yeah, terrible. And it's just hard to fathom. You know, you watch something like that, you think, how does that happen? And yeah, it just gives you an impression of whenever you have someone like that, it's someone who's extremely confident. Yeah. And they, they come at you with a story. Yeah. They can lie brilliantly. And for sure. You, it's so easy to get taken in by them that they're I'll so good at it. I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah, because I mean, there are definite parallels here, although obviously Better Call Saul precedes this by a number of years, but there are definite parallels between um, this sort of um, this sort of trickster, uh, confidence yeah. guy, um, huckster, uh, yeah, shyster, yeah. whatever the fuck word you want to put on it. And, yeah, I think Jimmy was called both of those things during these episodes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but there are definite echoes where you can sort of see in real life how something like this can actually happen and does happen to people all the time. Yeah, for sure. All the time. Did you ever what? Did you catch the Tinder swindler on um, Tinder no. swindler on it? You should look that up. It's on Netflix too. Okay. It it'll fucking blow your mind. Like it is. <laughs> it is insane. It's yeah. insane. Okay. Totally insane. All right. I'm gonna do. Um, it. I'm gonna check it out. Yeah. Now. 
there's that tinder swindler it's really good yeah all right definitely recommend it um but yeah should we get back into this this is yes. a better call soul podcast this is a better call soul podcast just yeah. in case <laughs> we should do a podcast Christ. called podcast <laughs> what the fuck would it be about podcast well, who knows we'll think of something we're gonna think of something <laughs> um so from that scene we cut to jimmy at the restaurant so jimmy has gone to meet howard so in season, in this season, at then episode one or two, Howard bumped into him at the courthouse and they arranged, they were going to arrange a lunch. So this is him going for lunch. Um, and uh, on the way through the restaurant, he gets introduced to a judge. So he gets introduced to a judge who's one of Howard's pals. He comments that his gravel work is legendary, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. The judge just looked very confused. Um, Howard, I thought it was very it's smiley. Gavel. It's gavel, hey. gavel work. Yeah, that's what I. Oh, did I say gravel? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Should we start that bit again? No, <laughs> sorry, it is gavel. You're right. <laughs> oh my god, maybe he's and also got they... legendary gravel work. Who knows? Maybe he's <laughs> fantastic yeah. with the gravel. Is his like front yard? Has he got a perfectly gravel driveway? It's beautiful. Yeah, he's got a little, one of those little Zen things. What are those little Zen <laughs> gardens where you rake the, the stones? Oh God! Do they still? If exist? I ever meet, if I ever meet a monk who does Zen gardens, I'm gonna say like your gravel work is legendary. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's kind of interesting because there is a thing with Buddhas going on here and and a uh, hard spiritual journey that he's on. I know that's kind I of funny, know. actually. We see we saw the Buddha at the start of this episode in the junk shop, and then we do have Howard on a Zen, Zen worthy journey for sure. Did you um, notice that um, when they sit down at the table, Howard says, I'll have the soul? Oh, I, d- <laughs> I heard him say it, but I didn't I didn't connect it to the human soul. I'll have a soul, I'll have the soul. That's fucking hilarious, man. That's so funny. Yeah. Um so Howard asks him what the crack is with Saul, like who's Saul Goodman? Um, and Jimmy does a really nice little speech about how um, Saul Goodman's the man that you call if uh, if you're being stepped on. He's the last line of defense for the little guy. If you're right. being sold down the river, he has a life raft. Um, if you're being stepped on, he's a sharp stick. If he's mm-hmm. Goliath, he has the slingshot and so on and so on. Um, and Howard's like, well, couldn't Jimmy do all that? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Jimmy's like no. Saul is doing it. That's the point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Howard's pretty much asked him there because he wants to offer him a job that he feels very remorseful about the times that he missed Jimmy, um, and that he could do with somebody with that kind of hustle at the firm, and he wants Jimmy to come and work for him. And um, Jimmy almost chokes on his drink whenever Howard makes the offer. Uh, Such this, a good scene. This is one of my favorite moments from the season so far. When Char- yeah. when Howard Har- makes the offer, the range of expressions that go across Jimmy's face is <laughs> fucking impressive. Yeah. Before he reacts, it's like he just he just doesn't know what to say. <laughs> He's totally taken aback. Yeah, very yeah. unexpected. Um. So yeah, he chokes on his drink slightly, and then. Um, it's just very confused after all the shit that's gone between them and um, Howard's decided that 
uh, that that was between him and Chuck. It has got nothing to do with Howard. And he thinks that, um, that uh, yeah, he's smart and scrappy and a go-getter and he wants him as part of the firm. And he's ready to talk about uh, the details. But Jimmy, oh no, he doesn't. He says, don't answer now. Live with it for a couple of days. Yeah. So I thought that was an odd turn of phrase. Live with it for a while. Yeah. Um, live with it and see how it feels. Live with it for a bit. And then we see them getting into their cars at the end. And Howard's license plate has been changed to Namaste, which is the <laughs> namesake of the episode. Except he has the E backwards as the number three. <laughs> yeah, three I thought just, that was odd. Three comes up over and over and over again. The three bowling balls and people yeah. saying things three times. Like when Mike was yeah. in the bar, he said, take it down three times to the bartender. Oh, I didn't notice that. Um, yeah, there's just continuous references to the number three, as well as the number eight, which is weird, you know, because my birthday is 3874 and 1974 came up and then three and eight <laughs> continuously come up as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, anything else there? Um, yeah, hard calls and Charlie Hustle affectionately. Um, yeah. Yeah, but Jimmy, um, I don't know. It's hard to his facial expressions just killed That's me great. there. And um, yeah, how is he? He he just seems so nonplussed. It's like he, before he even thinks about it, he knows he's not going to take the job. Oh, of course, yeah, um, of course. Well, he yeah. hates hard now. Him and hired like they don't get on. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel there's almost like a, a sort of Jimmy seems to be almost repulsed by Hard's uh, spiritual path. Um, as if he's got a, just a natural, um, a natural, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, acrimony, a uh, natural avoid, uh, aversion to anything spiritual yeah. or good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe he thinks hard's full of shit or what. I don't know. But I, I didn't think that. Anyway, we'll get, no, we'll talk about that later. But, um, Aye, okay. but yeah, uh, moving along. So we- yeah. yeah, so we cut to Kim at Mesa Verde. So Kim is um with Kim. At, no, Kim is Kim is clearly with Kim. She's also with Paige and Kevin, um, <laughs> yeah. and they're talking about the future and they're planning um the call center and looking at different, I guess, different things. And um, before they move on um to the next thing, Kim wants to talk about um I have it written down. Site T two three seven five is the number I wrote down. In oh, this. it's two three seven five. Okay, but like I might be wrong. Um. And she's trying to sell them. This is an alternative site to allow Ackerman to keep his home. And um, she talks about how much the city's invested in the area, that it would speed up um, construction and improve their efficiency once they're up and running, um, and that they would be able to recoup the cost of the land. Like they already know that it's going to increase in value. So there's no financial risk. Um, But Kevin doesn't want to hear any of it. He said he's never run from a fight and um, he wants to move forward with the Ackerman eviction um, as quickly as possible. Yeah. So that's um, how Kim was going to try and fix it, I guess. That was what she was talking about whenever she um, was in the car park sweeping up the glass, that she had a plan to fix it, and that was her plan. Yeah. I mean, she uh, Kim just doesn't want this guy to get kicked out of his house because she thinks it's wrong. Yeah. And um, so she's conflicted, and she's going to try to put one over on Mesa Verde instead of... Um, uh, having this guy kicked out um yeah so she makes these repeated efforts to steer mesa verde off the course and For they sure. don't work the more she tries the more kevin digs in his heels um yeah uh at the end of the conversation or close to the end kevin says that's it how about we get the lights 
And uh, oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I know it's very quiet. He sort of muttered it as he was walking towards the light switch. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe you're right. Light and dark is just seems to be the theme here. It's about right and wrong behavior, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, then on we go, and Mike and Stacy um are having an awkward conversation, an incredibly That's awkward right. conversation, in which Stacy tries to say, um, in so many words, I don't want you watching Kaylee right now because you're <laughs> yeah. you're fucked up, you're psycho. <laughs> and Mike yeah. is just uh, not um playing ball with the um civility yeah. with the uh, the the uh, etiquette yeah. of the situation. And uh, he just gets mad. He won't listen. He gets mad. He, he walks away with in his face. It's just all snarl. He's like, rrr, rrr. yeah, that's right. So the babysitter's already arrived. She tries to make a load of excuses, but he just won't have any of it. Um, and yeah, he gets he gets cross. It's funny because we see that behavior from Kim later on too. So that's another um, little scene that's reflected between Kim and Rich in the next episode, um, right. which I guess we can talk about then. Um, but yeah, it's interesting how these characters are starting to reflect one another, that we see the same, the same, um, they're going through the kind of the same emotional struggles almost. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And it's the comparison I figure between, um, are they saying that business with the cartel is not that different from business with other businesses like lawyers and banks and everything else, that there's no real difference between them. They're just on different yeah i guess the product is different but they have the same kind of struggles maybe yeah. they're trying to get it that they're all they're all people you know I yeah know i just thought it was funny that they keep showing us reflections of the same struggles almost in in the different characters right yeah totally you know? yeah interesting um so we head over to um Kim at court. So this is the first time that we see, well, maybe not the first time in the show, but the first time in these couple of episodes where she turns up and is watching Jimmy. So we see it here for the first time where she sit, takes a seat in court and she's watching Jimmy defend the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is a robbery case. This guy robbed a convenience store and he does the old switcheroo um, where he, this, I'm sure I've seen this in a movie or something. Where, oh yeah. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is straight out of a movie. I don't know which one it is, but it's a movie or TV show. Yeah, you know. for sure. So yeah. the guy, the only witness to the crime is on the stand and they make this big deal about whether or not he can identify the the person who is accused of committing the crime. And he says, well, of course, the can. He's sitting over there and Jimmy's like, oh, but that isn't the defendant. My defendant's <laughs> at the back of the courtroom. Uh, and it's like fucking, I don't know, maybe it's an episode of Matlock or something. Who knows? It's fucking atrocious, but you know, it's interesting because I think that um, if this, if if Better Call Saul was a procedural courtroom drama, this is what every episode would be like. <laughs> yeah, I knew for sure. You know, for it's like, sure. It, it's so terrible as well. I mean, anyone can find, well, maybe it's not that easy to find a doppelganger, but certainly if a guy has short black hair and a short beard, black beard, <laughs> it yeah. must be quite easy to go out and find someone who looks almost identical yeah it doesn't prove sure. anything i know, I know. they could be twins like, what and then <laughs> the whole courtroom erupts into chaos and the judge gets really pissed off and he goes well you didn't recognize him either your honor you know what i mean yeah. it's like oh god so um Kim's there to watch that all happen, and uh, then she waits. Jimmy gets called into judges' chambers, obviously to get chewed out about how he conducts business. And um, yeah, so she sits and waits for ages. You get that passage of time, 
and Jimmy comes back out and is surprised to see her still sitting there. And this is where um, she tells him that she has um, a case for him to look at. Right. Yep. And that she wants to discuss it with him, but we don't really get any other details. Do no. we get details there? No, no I don't. I don't, we I don't think. Um, she just introduces it. She says, oh, she says something about Tukum Carey, but that's all. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And this scene, Kim sits and waits for a while, which is something that other characters do too, like you're saying. I yeah. Didn't really, yeah. I didn't pick up too much that it was all about reflections of Kim and these other characters, but it totally is, isn't it? Like, Kim sitting and waiting is just what Mike does and what yeah for sure yeah um so then we head to Gus so Gus is at the restaurant again this is a very tense scene so there's a lot of tension he's waiting and um, well first of all we cut to the staff so all of his staff are going home somebody's forgotten to put the cover on the fryer and poor old Lyle heads back in to do it um, gets met by Gus, who is very unhappy with the standards of cleanliness, and uh, and Lyle being the good old uh, the good old uh, employee who wants to impress his boss says that he'll do it, he'll fix it, and uh, Gus lets him go ahead and goes back to sitting in his office waiting for a call. So we just see Gus sitting watching his phone, really not doing anything else, um, yeah. and. Uh, then we cut to the DEA. So we cut to um, Hank I've and Steve. Their names. Hank and Steve. Hank and Steve. Hank and Steve. Yeah. So we cut to Hank and Steve in their SUV. They're waiting for the final, the final drug dealer to come and lift their um, cash, or maybe they've caught all the drug dealers, but they're waiting for the guy now to come and collect the cash. And yeah. uh, and it's. They're talking about culverts, like where the word culvert comes from. Yeah, is it Dutch or French or what is it? And uh, they have a little yeah. picture about that. What a stupid place to hide all your money. What if it rains? What's uh-huh. <laughs> the other thing they were talking about? Um, and then the guy turns up and um, they get quite serious about it all. And we cut back to Gus. Um, Gus yeah. goes out and it's still not clean. So the fryer still isn't clean. Um, he tries to send Lyle home. But still, Lyle wants to have another go (laughs) cleaning this fucking fryer. Yeah, I'm sure at this stage, Lyle is like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Have you ever had a boss that you wanted to impress that much? No, I don't think so. (laughs) I've never been that overly keen to impress uh, a boss, I don't think. Especially as a teenager working in a chicken shop. You know what I mean? You wouldn't be like, yeah, I'll stay. That's no problem. I'll stay and clean it for a third time. Yeah. but who knows, maybe he sees a future for him at Los Polos Hermanos. Yeah, so, so um, at some point, Hank says, round third, straight for home. Um, I think it's the third drop, something it's time to round third and straight, round third and straight for home or something like that. Yeah. And that's when I started to figure out there were baseball references going on. And um, I didn't know, I don't have any written down from before this point, but I know there were, I think there were probably some before that I just hadn't picked up on. Yeah, um, maybe. And so baseball references continue from this point. And uh, he also says to him, don't miss your shot, Ansel Adams. Yeah, which is uh, a callback to season season two, wasn't it? Season yeah. two or season three? That's right. Yeah. Um, it was one of Jimmy's lines. Jimmy said to Mike, you're the Ansel Adams of covert photography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was whenever he was in taking shots of Gus's, or not Gus's house, Chuck's house. Chuck's place, yeah. Yeah, um, that's right. 
Yeah, before they go into the uh, the little culvert, he says, "No, no, the guy runs. They chase the guy. Then he, yeah, that's he, right. He, he 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 figures out, or at least he well, he would have known they were watching anyway. Yeah. So he just makes a run for it, but this is all planned. And yeah, then that's he right. eventually gets away into a into a, one of the uh, the sewers or one of the yeah. whatever it is. And uh, he says, uh, let's spelunk, uh, Hank says yeah, to Steve. Hank says, yeah. And then they go into the hole, which is going into the hole and going in and out of the... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From darkness into light and vice versa. I could not get the connection. I, They kept switching back between the dead drops and the cops and uh, Lyle cleaning the thing. Shots yeah. of Lyle scrubbing the scrubbing, and the I just didn't get the connection because normally when they draw our attention to something like this repeatedly, there's some it's, sort of yeah. imagery going on. There's a there's a meaning, yeah. and I don't know exactly what it is. And I also was confused about why Gus um, insisted on having Lyle stay in his own way to clean. And I thought, is it because he wants an alibi? Oh or... yeah, okay, it could be. Maybe he wants an alibi for the for the evening. I thought that might be a reason, but then I thought but he did would... try. He did try to get Lyle to leave. Like a couple of times, he tried to send Lyle home. Well, the first Lyle time, said... the first time he tried to send Lyle home, he didn't really say you can go. Well, he said, or he said you can go, but then he pulled up his sleeves as if he was going to do it, and Lyle yeah. didn't want him to have to do it. So he manipulated Lyle there. Yeah, that was a manipulation strategy. Yeah, um, yeah. To get Lyle to stay, I felt, um, and then. Uh, eventually um lyle's gonna go home but because the thing was obviously clean to begin with yeah well it cleaned an untrained eye maybe maybe i've worked in chicken shops and they're not terribly <laughs> easy to clean oh <laughs> i i worked no. in one chicken shop and then quit after a week because of all the cleaning i know the fryers must be a nightmare um i have worked in restaurants and had to clean kitchens but not so much the deep fat fryers but yeah yeah um so I just thought they were building tension. They're showing that, that Gus is still waiting for this call. Like he's, he's sitting waiting for the call to say that it's all clear or whatever. Well, what chicken Ooh. place did you work in? I didn't know you worked in a chicken place. It was for two weeks. It was for a week, maybe two weeks called. It was called Favourites Chicken and Ribs. It was a new <laughs> chain in Northern Ireland, quite big in England. They're trying to open it in Ireland, but it failed. Right. In the end, they couldn't get it off the ground. But um, yeah, I did it for... I think I did it pre-opening for about a week and then a week into trading and I just thought, fuck this man. <laughs> you know, I couldn't be arsed. Yeah. I couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Right. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, it was. It was quite, it was interesting to see how it all worked, but it was like a, it was like a KFC, you know, it was set up like KFC. Same, yeah. Same equipment and everything, you know. Oh yeah. I used to think about getting a job at KFC just for um, unlimited chicken access. <laughs> Fried yeah. chicken's definitely one of my favorites. I'm sure you would get sick of it after a minute or two, you know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. How much fried chicken can you eat? Oh, I can eat a lot. <laughs> it's terrible, actually. I have to be really careful with that because I'm always tempted. At least once a week, I'm tempted to buy fried chicken. Oh, I know. It's or so wings. bad for you. I know. Yeah. It's atrocious. It is so bad for you. And it's cooked at high pressure. They don't just deep fry them. They're deep fried at very high pressure. You know what I mean? To cook them so much because it's faster. Right. Um, so they're like pressure fryers. They're not like normal fryers. So I don't know okay. if that makes them better or worse. 
Um, but you know, KFC scoops up all the all the chicken out of their fryers to make their gravy with, like oh, all of the bits of chicken sense. that fall off their their um the chicken as it's cooked. That's why it's so tasty. That's the atrocious. So tasty. They put <laughs> loads of it in and then strain it out again. Oh god, <laughs> it's fucking gross. It's Sounds absolutely wonderful. gross. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to Better Call Saul. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the guy uh, is collecting all the money. He gets away. They finally they finally um, give up the chase, and we join Hank and his friend Steve. Is it Steve? Hank and Steve. Yeah, Steve. And uh, they're counting out the cash. They've collected over seven hundred thousand dollars. And uh, Steve says, "Oh, we've taken a big bite out of crime tonight, McGuff." Which is, uh, I guess, about like a TV show. Is there like a cartoon? Where McGuff is like a dog cop, a cartoon dog. Is I that what know. it is? I don't know. I think it is. Um, Frank isn't happy. He says it's a booby prize, but he gives a big speech about how well they did, that they took a shitload of money off a drug dealer and that everybody did a great job and they're all off to O'Neill's for a drink. Yeah, exactly. How yeah. is it these cops all drinking Irish bars? I know. The old the association between the Irish, the, uh, the, the police and drinking. Yeah, for sure. It was the same with Mike in the very first, wasn't it the very first season that we saw Mike um, kill the two cops, but they were all drinking in an Irish bar too. Yeah, um, that's it's right. It's just a very common trope, isn't it? I wonder what the name of the bar is in Fraser. You know, Martin Crean, he was a cop. Oh, he yes. The cop bar. Was it called? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, O'Neill's or something like that. Oh, no, it's not O'Neill's. It's, uh, it's something similar anyway. Yeah, Another an Irish, Irish bar. Club. It's a fucking Irish bar. <laughs> Maybe it was to do with the Irish in New York. Is that how it all came about? That the Irish pretty much ran the police departments in New York? I don't know. That's probably it. That's probably the reason, yeah. Um, but anyway, so um, we head from there back to Gus, and he gets a call saying that it all went as planned. Um, and he finally tells uh, he finally tells Lyle that the friar is acceptable and that he can go home. Right. Yeah, maybe um, right there that he wanted, he did want Lyle to be there until the yeah, end. he did totally, he did yeah, until yeah, it was done. Maybe you're right, but why? That's what I wrote. I wrote why. I'm like, why does Gus need an alibi for this? Why does he need an alibi for this? I'm not totally sure, or maybe Strange, he just felt it? comforted having somebody else in the building. I yeah, don't know. Could have been. Or maybe he was like. He's such a control freak that he was, he had, he was. He needed something to control. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's mm. all it was. Yeah. Um. So shall we move on then? Uh, Jim. Yes. Yeah, so Jimmy at see, Ackerman's. He goes to see Acker. Sorry, not Ackerman's. It's I, did, Acker. I did the same thing. I wrote Ackerman. I started writing Ackerman and I don't know why I did because it's I Acker. Think, so I think a character calls him Ackerman a couple of times. I bet I that's, that's what happens. Characters do. The same thing that happened with Viola being called Giola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Jim with Mr. Acker, um, he go, he has a picture for him, which I didn't pick up. Oh, the Jesus first Christ. And he says, it's a man fucking a horse. <laughs> Tell me what you see. Tell yeah. me what you see. It's a man fucking a horse. Yeah. Um, and this is all about sticking it to the man and how Jim's going to be on his side. And, uh, and uh, yeah. Mesa Verde is the horse. I just love how passionate he is about not Jimmy but Mr. Acker about how he's had it up to um he, he's had it up to here with you Mesa Verde scumbags is, yeah. is how he greets Jimmy at the door. Yeah. Um but yeah, this was another another really good little scene where Jimmy's trying to talk him into representation. 
that's right. Um, and uh, somehow here he gets, yeah, I'm not sure if there's much else to that apart from that we get the impression that he wins over, um, uh, he wins over Mr. Acker. Um, yeah. And uh, then he, off he goes to, he gets an idea and off he goes to throw the, um, the bowling balls over Hard's gate. I just didn't understand where this came from. Me neither. Me like neither. all of a sudden he hates hard. Like what's I, that all about? I know. I was totally baffled. And he uh he even it's kind of silly. He puts on a little baseball cap but somehow to evade detection from the cameras, even though yeah you can clearly see it's Jimmy by his colorful suit. I know. And, uh, <laughs> and he throws the balls like you know, the first one misses, the second one. Um, lands on the bonnet or the trunk i don't know which one and the third one lands the third one smashes the, the, the glass window. yeah i mean smashing glass comes up over and over again yeah it does and, yeah and the throwing the balls throwing the bottles i just didn't get it the whole build up uh -huh. to it as well where we see jimmy kind of climbing over walls with his bag and making this big deal and then he gets there and it's like he stands outside the gate it's like he just crawled over a wall it was much higher than the gate why is he standing at the gate to do this you know what i mean yeah i know it's um, bizarre again it's I, just, I wasn't i wasn't sure about it and then pearl it was hard almost like hard. the bowling balls were bought with this task in mind you know what i mean but yeah whenever he bought the bowling balls he had no idea that this was going to happen i know, you know that's right and this was always messing with time again because yeah. At the start of the episode, apart from the bowling ball scene, which is the opening scene where he's in the junk, uh, not the junk store, the Bethlehem trading post, the next scene is yeah. him, and, him in bed. And it creates the impression that that scene of them in bed follows on from the night before where we left the last time. Yeah. I think it might have been, I'm not sure, the last time we saw them when they were drinking. Uh, I remember. It is. It's yeah, really the balcony strange. scene in the last episode. They. I just think they fucked up the editing a little bit that in the original vision for the show that he was buying the bowling balls, having been inspired by Kim throwing the bottles off the balcony, but his plan was to use them for Howard's car. Otherwise, why wouldn't he have taken the typewriter or the TV, which would have been much more satisfying to fucking throw off a balcony. You yeah, that's I mean? true. That's true. So I just think that they, they whenever they edited the scene, they edited the episode, they put the scenes in a different order than they had originally planned for some reason. It could be. Because that could be it. It just it doesn't no sit other right. Reason. Yeah, yeah. That I and, can think anyway. Yeah, and it's weird. Um, it's just weird, beha weird behavior. <clears throat> yeah, based on like I know that Hard and Jimmy don't get on, but so much time has passed now since Chuck has died. Why yeah. wait until now to throw fucking <laughs> through yeah. bowling balls at his car? Is it because he's just annoyed that Hired has found peace? Like Hired's at peace now, so he's determined to try and fuck it up a little bit. Like, is that maybe. what it is? Uh, maybe. You know, is that, yeah. Is that it? Um, was it in the? Oh no, we haven't. We haven't come to that scene yet, where we see the inside of Hired's house <laughs> or the inside of his yeah. office. That's right. I wasn't sure if it was his house or his office, but that's <laughs> in the next next episode. Um, but yeah, so Jimmy fucks up Hard's car. We see Hard then come out onto the balcony and look very bemused down at his car, almost a bit confused. He looks then... a little bit feel like his feelings are hurt almost as someone would do this to him. <laughs> yeah. And then we cut to Mike, um, who's walking past the thugs again. Yeah. I mean, it's weird um because Jimmy used to comment on how he would try to be good, but it wouldn't work out. Or he would, yeah. And maybe this is something like um, 
you know hard you can try to be good but you're going to get dragged back into the dirt um yeah. you're, you're this business with you being uh on a good path is all fake and you yeah uh, i i don't know it's interesting because it, it i've seen this sort of trope in a couple of other shows i'm not going to go into it but where a, where a bad guy or someone who's essentially like a a bit of a dirty dealer um, has a some sort of spiritual awakening and tries to go on a spiritual yeah. path, but then their efforts are undermined by yeah the misdeeds of others around them. So, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but oh, but overall, no, I, I just didn't. This didn't. Uh, this was a surprise, and oh. yeah, I wonder if it'll come to anything. Like, well, this is this leading to something else? I don't. Know. I wonder. Um. So yeah, we leave that scene and we head over to Mike, who's on his way home again. Um, he's going past the Hugs House, the Hugs House, the Thugs House, thugs house. Jesus Christ, <laughs> um, I just cannot speak today. He goes past the Thugs House and this time he gets his ass kicked. He does, he gets, and then we don't actually see him getting stabbed, we just see the knife being brandished and then an anguished look on Mike's face. That's right. And then uh, we he he wakes up, we fade, I don't know if there's a fade <laughs> out and a fade in. Yeah. But he certainly we're going from dark to light as Mike wakes up um, in, in Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> and he emerges. He 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 struggles to get up and um, yeah. he emerges from the little uh, the little uh, house there into the courtyard from darkness into the light. That's right. Yes. And finds the lady in the kitchen. So there's an old woman in the kitchen cooking. Right. Um, and I think that's where we leave the episode then. Yep. For our pair of episodes. Um, so <sighs> that was, I thought. That was really good. I, I really enjoyed those two episodes. Me too, especially the scene with uh, Hard and Jimmy. That was just fucking priceless. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Yeah. That was really good. Um, yeah, and then Jimmy's got... definitely found his mojo now. He's definitely in his groove with um, Saul becoming Saul Goodman, for sure. Mm. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know? yep. um, Jimmy and Kim's relationship still seems really awkward. Like, I don't know what's going to happen there. Like, it's just really a couple of really odd scenes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, it's definitely coming across that Jimmy doesn't really give a fuck. You know, that he didn't show any interest whenever Kim was talking about how bad a day she had. And she didn't show any interest whenever Jimmy said about how his day had ups and downs. Like, she wasn't really interested either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was quite interesting. Um, but yeah, a couple of really good episodes there. Yep. Agree. Uh, so we, if we're going to divide up these episodes, we need to call the end of this episode, right? Yeah. Okay. So is this the end of the episode? This is the end, I think. I don't have anything else to say since we're rattling on into the next one. Oh, oh, that's not... It's not very fair on the listener, though. They usually get a little bit of babble at the end of our episodes, but if we're moving straight into another one, then they sort of get deprived of a bunch of... um, Of the babble. Bullshit and babble, yeah. Here, did you see that there's... um, Did you see there's new episodes of Picard on Prime? Oh, no, I didn't see. Yeah, I'm always fucking late to the party. So uh, there's three new episodes of season two. So it's obviously been on there for three weeks. They're doing an episode a week. Um, it's probably on Crave here and I just cancelled my Crave. Oh, bollocks. I know. She, did he not have it on Prime there? No, because... It's no. funny how they do it in different regions, isn't it? Like, what the fuck's that all about? I don't know. Um, yeah, so three new episodes of season two. I forgot that... 
either I forgot or I just didn't watch it in the end of season one where I, I meant to, I tried to watch the first episode of season two, but I accidentally watched the last episode of season one. So the okay. whole time I was watching it, I, <laughs> I was convinced that I was watching a new episode that they just picked up. <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome. And then so you got um, the finale. At the end, <laughs> I, I was like oh this is so tense <laughs> and, um i must have missed the last time i missed that they turned picard into a fucking android totally I missed see it. that did so that is that what happened <laughs> at the end of season one yeah that they okay. he, he dies and then they bring him back as an android and they All have right. this conversation where picard says that he hopes that um they didn't make him immortal Please tell me you didn't make me immortal. And they said, no, we built that into the algorithm to give you the same kind of number of years left that you would have had. So yeah, Picard's right. been fucking turned into an android. Okay. How did we miss that? Like, I missed that at I the end of the last season. I had forgotten completely. I maybe, I don't know. I don't remember that at all. Are you sure you definitely watched the last episode of the season? I thought I had, <laughs> I yeah. I swear to God, the whole, the whole episode, I was like, this is great. I had no idea that I had already watched it before. That's weird. Well, maybe it's just because so much time had passed, you know? Yeah. Like the whole thing with Riker arriving at the end to like rescue mm. them and stuff, like Riker coming with the, the Starfleet fleet. Like, yeah. I was like, oh my God, it's Riker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's sort of coming back to me a little bit. I remember something about the fleet. Yeah. I do sort of remember that. Yeah. I mean, I remember being a little unfazed by the series. I thought, as, as a Trek fan, I don't know if I, am I Trekkie? I have never been to a convention. I would love to go no to one, and I couldn't. I'm not. I couldn't nerd out on episode details quite the same who way. Would you, who would you dress up as if you went to Trekkie convention? <laughs> who could I pull off? Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I've never, <laughs> never thought about that. <laughs> I have a beard. I'm not tall enough to be Riker. Who's short? Uh, are there any of them that are short? I don't know. Neelix, maybe? No, I couldn't pull off Neelix. Um, no, I don't know. But maybe I would go as a Vulcan just because, you know, Vulcan. Yeah, you could. You could put on a Star Trek uniform and go as a Vulcan, a Starfleet uniform, and give yourself Vulcan ears. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, oh, there, no. been, have there ever been go... Vulcans with facial hair? Um, I bet there have. I can't bring any to mind. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking about Romulans. They had facial hair. Mm. Um, you know who I would go I, as? I'd be tempted to go as a Klingon, but the, I'd say the costume would be pretty, hev pretty heavy and pretty expensive to get my hands on, you know? It'd be tough. Yeah, you have to yeah. be really dedicated to do Klingon. I would yeah. go Shran. Shran? Yeah, from Enterprise. Which was he? He's oh, I haven't watched much of Enterprise. Guy. The blue guy. <laughs> I loved him, and he called the humans pink skins. <laughs> They have the little things that go like that. Would you recommend Enterprise? I've never watched it. I fucking love Enterprise, man. I love it. I'll have to do it. I'll have it's to my, watch it. It's definitely my, um, it's my favorite Star Trek after um, uh, The Next Generation. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. but I mean, it has problems. There's no doubt there were problems with Enterprise. They all do, yeah. And it wasn't uh, well loved by the audience, but I personally think that it's a great show. And it was underrated, and um, yeah. um, they're certainly my favorite crew, probably, of any crew uh, from Star Trek, um, apart from um, the, I mean, apart from Next Generation, but that's just because, you know, the Next Generation is like, 
it's got its place and special place in history being the first Star Trek yeah. after the original series, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's a natural progression to being like, okay, Kirk, Kirk's crew was the number one, then the Card's yeah, crew the because they're such great then... captains. And then the rest of them, it's kind of a mix up. You can yeah, pick your pick. Right. Different people have their different favorites after those two. But my yeah. personal favorite, I guess, is Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. My personal would be Voyager. I, I really love Voyager. I like Voyager too. I actually, um, I watched an episode the other night. Um, oh, and I had a, a coincidence from it. Maybe we'll save that for the next the next episode of our show. All right. Um, but um, yeah, I thought um, Janeway looked really great. I, I, I initially was sort of rubbed up the wrong way by Janeway, but now that I watch it again, I like her a lot more. Yeah, I really liked Janeway. I love that, like that actress, Kate Mulgrew is, mm -hmm. is fantastic. She's in a lot of things now, although she hasn't been in anything for a bit. Like she was in Orange is the New Black. She was Orange is the New Black. She's a really strong character. Have you watched that? No. Oh, that's a great show. It's really <laughs> good. Um, yeah, so Kate Mulgrew is really good. She okay. does a lot of um, voice work too. Like she narrates stories and things like on Audible. So she does always does a great job. Mm -hmm. You know, for um, she did one for uh, Stephen King's son, who writes under the name Joe Hill. Um, okay, it's really good. Nosferatu. She's the narrator. It's really good. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, she the character of Janeway is in a new Star Trek. Um, I think it's an animated show. Is it animated or real? I forget. But it's a new Which Star one, Trek. On and, um, Prime, there is a new one that's animated. There's a, a Star Trek TV show. Well, we've got an animated one that was um, Star Trek um, the, the the Lower Decks. This isn't the Lower Decks. Mm. This is a different one. Um, oh, right. Okay. Um, I haven't seen. Yeah. And then there was some buzz over Mulgrew coming back. And then um, it turned out it wasn't uh, actually the live action actress, but was uh, like a some form of animated uh, voiceover yes. thing. Okay. Okay. I'll have to look into that. There's an animated Star Trek on Prime. I think it might be the Lower Deck, the one that you mentioned. Is yeah, that any good? I don't, you I don't it? mind it. I've seen a few episodes. It's entertaining. I, I'll maybe check it out. Do you think there's another animated one? Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's a new one. I forget what it's called. Okay, I'll have to look into it. Yeah, so... That's our Star Trek bubble. Yeah, is that us? Is that enough for the listeners? I think I'll do them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've probably turned off by now anyway. Aye, for sure. For yeah. sure. Um, thanks very much for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'd really appreciate a five-star review or four stars, <laughs> four stars or any number of stars. Just yeah. give us whatever you think. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram at That Rewind Show and uh, send us your thoughts. Tell us what you think of Better Call Saul. Don't forget to check out our other show, the um, 80s... The 80s movies your kids can't miss or to watch 80s it. movies to watch with your kids that your kids can't miss or your grandkids I think we should put grandkids in there because we're getting into that age category where it actually would be oh don't even suggest don't even suggest that because even our kids are getting too old for the 80s movies for kids do you reckon some yeah, of them maybe. are some of them aren't there they're going to be a mix of people in our age group who... do you know the guy that I was out for coffee with today said he fucking hates the goonies it was almost like a showstopper moment where I was like, I Just... don't know if I can stay. <laughs> <laughs> totally. If any woman ever said that to me, I'd be like, fuck this noise. I'd be out of there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if he wasn't so hot, I might have. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was very surprised. But yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, check out our other show, The 80s Movies Your Kids Can't Miss, and have a great life. Yep. Bye. Catch you next time. All right. And that's us. That's that. Did we uh, pause for a minute? I need to take a leak. Yeah, I'm going to make a hot drink and use the bathroom and try to eat at least one piece of toast before we start the new uh,